all this week I've been on the ledge about BC and UConn, giving you all the reasons why you should be on upset alert, why we should be worried about UConn. The show will be will be joined by Mitch Wolf, who will hopefully get me off that ledge and tell us why BC is going to win this game. All this and more on today's Locked On in College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. on bc aj black i'm the editor and publisher of eagle insider part of the 247 sports network today's episode is brought to you by underdog sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code locked on and get your first deposit doubled up to a hundred dollars all right this has felt kind of like a bye week for a lot it's just like there's no buzz about this game at all i mean there's been buzz about bc in a couple weeks but even less so because it's, it's heading off to east Harf the vaunted Yukon uh, Huskies. And all week long, I've been saying, you know, watch out for this. This could be a, a trap game for BC. And I hate using trap game because they're just bad. Uh, both teams are bad. But on today's show, I got Mitch. Mitch, how's it going? Doing all right. Uh, I'm not sure I'll actually be able to watch this game live because I'll be traveling for work. Um, but uh, hopefully I won't have to go back and rewatch it and be sad. Mm. So... This UConn team, you look at the statistics, it's not that far off from BC um, in terms of everything except for passing yards. And, and running yards, obviously, UConn has a huge advantage because that's what they can do. They can run the ball. Um, Mitch, what are your thoughts? Let's just start talking about BC's offense. Do you think this will be one of those games that BC's offense will actually you know, sputter and spurt here and there, but actually be able to kind of move? I mean, it kind of has to be at this point. I mean... You know, UConn's defense is, it's not great. It's not good. Um, but I mean, I, I, even BC still operating, even with a decimated offensive line, they're still operating with significant talent advantage, you know, maybe everywhere except the offensive line. Um, so I have to imagine that they'll play better. I mean, looking at UConn's roster and, you know, kind of who they've been playing, um, you know, I'm not, not overwhelmingly impressed by anybody on this team. Um, especially on the defense. So, you know, in terms of looking at their schedule, you know, they've only, they have three wins, which, you know, it's a lot more than most people expected. But if you look at those wins, one is against an FCS team. The other is a home game against Fresno state who had to come cross country. and was missing Jake Hayner, their quarterback, who is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. And then they beat an FIU team. who's one, also one of the worst teams in college football. Um, they got blown out by Syracuse, Michigan and North NC state. So, you know, you kind of have to find a middle ground there with BC. You know, I think obviously they're not as good as Michigan. They're probably not as good as Syracuse or NC State. We'll find out later in the season. But I would say that they're better than some of the teams that uh, UConn has beaten. So uh, I feel pretty, I feel decently as comfortable as one can be with BC this season. I feel that's how I feel about uh, the Eagles going in this game. So you don't have the jitters yet? Like I, I'm, I, I have that palpable feeling like, you know, I remember what happened, you know, it seems like every year under Halfley, he's had a, a, a too close for comfort win. You know, 2020 was Texas state, which they almost won. They had UMass last year who hung around way too long because of, of Dracovic's injury. And 
I just, I, I it, maybe it was Maine this year, but I also got this game kind of circled and I'm a little worried because it, it's homecoming for UConn. It's, you know, the UConn fans always get themselves pumped up for this game. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I hope BC's, uh, as you said, their advantage in talent will be too much. I mean, I, th- I think that if BC was having a, honestly, if they were having a better season, I'd be more concerned. You know, you mentioned this being a trap game. I think, especially if they're, you know, looking ahead next week to a home game. I, I know Duke is pl- better than many people expected, but, you know, they might be looking forward to a short week um, home game, night game. But, you know, with the way BC's season has gone, you know, they're coming off an absolute drubbing on the road to Wake Forest. Um, this is a road game, but it's, you know, it's not, you know, you, have to, you don't have to travel extremely far, you know, take a bus down there on Saturday morning, probably. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think BC is getting focused as they know this is, you know, one of the few opportunities they have left in the season where they can really get a win and get a win where they can, you know, f- I think feel confident going out of it. You know, you mentioned the main game. They beat them by, you know, a few scores, but I think anybody who watched the game and I, I, th- I imagine the players felt the same way that they didn't feel, you know, super confident leaving that game because they, you know, didn't really dominate an FCS opponent throughout the whole game. Louisville game, you know, it was close. And, and I think the, the, maybe the, 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 the emotions were high in that, you know, they felt good getting back in the win column, but obviously they didn't dominate Louisville by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, this is a game where BC has to get, you know, they feel like they can, okay, we can, we can get right with this opponent. You know, we obviously we're not going to take them lightly because we're not that good so far, but you know, if we play our game the right way, if we, you know, go out there and execute, then we should be able to beat this team by a sizable margin. So uh, now let's look at the offense and talked about the offensive line. That's obviously going to be a big deal going into this game. Do you think the offensive line should get enough push to like prevent the Pat Garo getting hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage over and over again? I think that allows, that'll have to be the thing to watch. Cause I mean, if BC can't run the ball again, then, you know, it's going to be go back to being the Phil Dracovic show, which, you know, there are times when that's cool. And there are times when it's catastrophic for the offense. And, you know, looking at this team in terms of looking at UConn, that is in terms of, you know, how they are stopping the run, you know, I think they're decent, but I don't think they're any, they're not, you know, Georgia or anything. So, you know, I think BC again has a chance to, you know, kind of lean on the run game here. I said that going into the weight game and unfortunately that didn't really go anywhere because of the offensive line injuries, but I mean, UConn's allowing 156 yards on the ground per game, which is 84th in the country. So, you know, below average, but not terrible. Um, looking at, again, looking at their schedule, you know, Michigan is obviously going to run the ball a lot. Um, Syracuse, same thing. Florida state's more of a passing offense. So, you know, it's not like they've faced any outlier opponents. They played eight games so far. So you've got a pretty decent sample size. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I imagine that we're, we're obviously not going to have Finn Durstein. We're probably not going to have, Drew Kendall again. Uh, we'll have to see what goes on there, but you know, I, I think that again, I don't really can't imagine they look much worse than they did last week. Although I've said that a few times, then they managed to find a way throughout this season. But you know, I think you're gonna. I think I'm hoping to at least see you know them make a few less mistakes. You know, get some better push in the ground game, uh, and you know that'll open up some holes for the running backs in terms of UConn's defense. You know, they're a very multiple defense, you know, they run a lot of different kinds of stuff in terms of formations, personnel groupings and all that. So I think this is going to be kind of be, I think you're gonna to have to kind of probe the defense a little bit to see how they react to things. I know Halfley's talked about that's how he likes to script the openings of games, or at least him and McNulty like to do that. So I think you're going to kind of want to probe to see where the weak spot is in the UConn defense. And then once you figure it out, then you want to keep going after it until they figure out a way to stop you. 
So did you say that you think that uh, Kendall's out? I, I don't know. I, I have no information. I just, I just, yeah. I'm a, you know, with the way Jeff Halfley talks about injuries, I think that unless he is saying the guy's going to play or he's very confident he's going to play, I'm going to kind of assume he's out. <laughs> right. So I, yeah, I think there's a, a bunch of guys too, uh, as we look into this and then this is not making excuses, just guys that if impact how the offense works, that is worth watching that. Uh, and co- of course, Drew Kendall's one of them. Alex Broom is another one. We, he, he played only, I think seven snaps last week. Mm-hmm. Only had a limited role in that in that offense, and we've seen him be a great pass blocker. And then George Takis, who Halfley said on Tuesday uh, was noticeably hobbling, on, but just kept gritting it out. And he, I think, yeah, he played and it was it was clear he was not healthy against Wake Forest. You know, he didn't he was rotated out a lot for uh, Jeremiah Franklin. They used a lot of six offensive lineman sets. So you know, I, I I kind of almost wish they hadn't tried to rush him back against Wake and let him get healthy for this game where they could kind of ease him back, but. I'm now thinking it might even just not be worth not worth playing him in this game. And then, you know, next week it's a short week at home. So maybe go have him rest up this week and then get ready for Duke next week. All right. In a moment, I want to look at UConn's offense, an offense that has a specific uh, strong suit, but is not as strong uh, in, in another place. We'll get to that in just a moment. Now let's talk about our friends over at underdog underdog is the place to go for your daily fantasy. It, if you are going over there, you, and you did you, uh, some of the, the daily bets, they have everything. So you pick a game, it'll have, you know, BC and Yukon. If you're in a state that allows uh, gambling, you can go and make the over under pick. You pick a bunch of different players, whether it's Phil Dracovic and 220 yards, uh, Pat Garo more than, uh, 20 maybe i don't know uh, <laughs> and you can make a, a a variety of picks and if you win you win all the cash it's a great deal it's a lot of fun i love playing with underdog you can do it for nfl and college sports it's easy and available in over 30 pick between two and five players and they will finish higher or lower than it's so easy anyone can pick it up and play and best part if you sign up right now with the promo code locked on or an underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, deposit $100, you're going to get a free $100 right on top of that. That's a win right there. So go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store, Google Play Store. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on one word. Get into college football pick'em action today. Locked on, Boston College, AJ Black here, and I am joined by Eagle Insider staff writer, Mitch Wolf. We're talking about UConn football and a team that went one and eleven last year, they are now th- uh, three and four this year. And um, you know they got a new head coach, Jim Moore Jr., and they've got an offense that really cannot throw the ball. I think I I, I wrote it on our site. I think their starting quarterback has thrown for about seven hundred forty yards all year. Uh, but they've got a, a a strong running game, and this will be interesting because BC's played balanced offenses. They played teams that can just basically pass the ball. They've had some, you know, you know, other teams. And then you have teams like this in Rutgers. Rutgers was another team that was basically just run the ball. Is there any concern that UConn who can run it is going to push around BC's defense? So I'm writing about this in my defensive rewatch, the Wake Forest game, and that BC's run defense has taken massive steps forward since week one against Rutgers and even made improvements since the loss to, to Florida state. Um, 
against Wake Forest, they allowed the second fewest rushing yards of the season in terms of a, um, a total team game. And it was the lowest against an FBS opponent because they only allowed Maine to get 89 rushing yards. So, you know, a very improved performance. You know, Wake couldn't, the, the longest run Wake had came on the second to last play of the game in garbage time. And that accounted for nearly a quarter of Wake's rushing yards. So on a down-to-down basis, BC did a really good job of stopping the run. And that's because the players are being a lot more aggressive at the at the point of attack. They're shedding blocks better. They're being more disciplined in their gaps. So, you know, I'll, I'll say this. UConn does have some decent offensive linemen. They've got this guard, Christian Haynes, uh, who's a really, he's, a, he's their starting right guard. He's a good player. He might be playing on Sundays in the future. Um, the rest of their off, the left, from left to right, their offensive line is decently solid, actually. Um, they've got a bit of a, uh, a weakness at right tackle. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how BC tries to exploit that. But, you know, their interior is pretty solid. So I'll, I'll give them that. But, um, <clears throat> I think BC will be able to stop the run here. And, you know, if you're forcing Wake to be, or sorry, not Wake, uh, UConn to be one-dimensional as a passing team, if you're stopping the run, they're not going to really be able to do anything on offense. And, you know, I think I think we can still expect uh, Elijah Jones to either miss or not be in this, not be in a starting role in this game or play the whole game. Probably same with C.J. Burton. You're going to see Josh DeBerry and Amari Jackson starting outside corner and then Jason Matry probably in the slot. And, you know, <clears throat> given Wake's receivers and their quarterbacks, I think that that uh, alignment of secondary players should be, you know, do a pretty decent job of limiting Wake's or UConn's passing attack. And um, I think I saw Andy Backstrom tweet this out earlier this week. Turnovers have not been kind to BC. And you've mentioned this before, like the, the fumble luck has been really poor, but BC's offense has not done them any favors either. And they've had all the, they've had a series of turnovers, but they've had, I think believe zero points off of turnovers this year mm-hmm. do you see bc is, is uconn a, a mistake prone team or is this a team that could be a little bit challenging there um i'm gonna have to check that out on my stat sheet um, well while you're doing that mitch i'm gonna tell the people here that if you are a fan of our podcast and you're looking a way to support us please go to youtube.com and hit find locked on bc and hit that subscribe button again go to youtube.com slash locked on Boston college and find our podcast and hit subscribe today. Thank you. All right, Mitch. Sorry. Just giving you so, a chance. To... UConn's current turnover margin is negative two. Uh, they've had, uh, let's see. They've had uh, trying to look at the statue here. Uh, 11 turnovers gained at 11 and 13 turnovers lost. So, you know, their defense is doing a decent job at creating turnovers. Their offense has had some issues with turning the ball over. They lost nine fumbles, which, that's a lot. Um, you know, that they've kind of been also not been helped by the fumble luck there. Um, I think BC last I checked was uh, minus five. It might be minus six now. Um, there we go. No, minus four, actually. So it improved by one for all that matters. Um, so, you know, they're both not really great at holding onto the ball. Uh, BC has seven turnovers gained and 11 turnovers lost. So they're actually better at holding onto the ball. Well, this also could be impacted by the fact that Wake has played, or sorry, UConn has played one more game than BC. They played eight games. BC's only played seven. Um, but BC's only been able to create five turnovers, uh, five interceptions and two fumble recoveries. And I think one of those was against Maine where they um, forced a fumble on fourth down, so it didn't really matter. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard for turnover luck to just you know turn at one point. You kind of are just kind of waiting for it to regress back to – you know, maybe helping BC out, um, you know, ideally if they can force wake to God, 
I get, I've been writing this article about Wake, so that's why I keep saying it. But if they can force UConn to be more one-dimensional in passing the ball, which is something they're not incredibly efficient at, you know, maybe they can create some turnovers that way and then ideally give the offense some better field position that they should be able to take advantage of. So let's get to prediction time because I'm, you know, it's what episode four or five of this week talking about UConn and I'm already tired of talking about UConn and I can't wait to do the review of this game and then never talk about UConn again until next year. (laughs) But let's get your prediction here, Mitch. Uh, Are you, the spread is seven, I think right now, seven and a half. Are you thinking BC by one touchdown more or less? Where we got, where are we going? That's pretty disappointing considering I think it opened at like nine or 10. So maybe someone be yeah. betting UConn so much that it's gone down to uh, seven. I'm just going to check it out now just to see. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, BC minus seven and a half. Um, yeah, I'm going to take BC here. Um, I think they get this done in pretty convincing fashion. Um, Over unders 44. So I'll say that BC wins this game uh, 34 to 17, kind of similar to the main game where. You know, maybe UConn puts together some drives, um, but I think BC has enough of a talent advantage that they'll be able to win this game by a comfortable margin and then, you know, kind of use this as a springboard to ideally, you know, get some wins in the back half of the season. Yeah, I I know the injuries are a factor and the offensive line has been bad, but I think there's a lot of recency bias when you look at the, when you look at the spread and you look at how people are feeling about this game and you really got to put in perspective that BC just lost to the number five and number 10 team in the country. And, you know, also consider rack- like people like, like wake is 10 and wait, it's kind of like wakes. One loss was to Clemson and double overtime in a game that, you know, yep. once you get to that point, it's essentially a coin flip. So that that's like, that's one of the, that's one of the best losses in the country that I don't think enough people are talking about. And aside from that game, and uh, Wake struggled a little bit against Liberty early in the season in kind of a fluke game. But other than that, they've pretty much demolished any opponent they've come up against. Yeah, so you played against two really good teams and a defense that you were poorly positioned against and a, and a, and a buzzsaw offense. And I think, yeah, this this could have um, tones of UCon- uh, UMass from last year. But I still do think BC's going to cover this. And I, you said, what, 34-17? Yep. I'm going to go with 30, 38, 13. And um, I, I'm going to go with BC winning this one pretty handily. Um, I think BC's defense, I think is going to stand out really strongly here. And I, I'm going to predict that they're going to put the offense in good, better positions in some of these games where, you know, they don't have DJ and, and Sam Hartman pushing down the field. They'll be able to get, get off the field and get that offense going. And I do think if BC's offense starts clicking, it'll get some points. We saw it against Louisville. What do when they started moving? And so I, I still think that could happen. Kendall or not. I'd love, you know, I, I feel really confident about this. If Kendall came back and they could just move Ness over to where Thomas is at and just have Ness, uh, Kendall, um, Trapillo and um, Alec. And then the other guy and <laughs> he shall not be named. <laughs> yes. Future Husky. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to get killed, but um, yeah. So I'm going to go with 38, 13 and I've learned absolutely nothing about this year. And I'm, you know what I have, I have, I've started to track my uh, predictions both for the Patriots and BC. And I don't do it every week for the Patriots on a, on another site. I'll tell you guys about some other time and I'm nine and three right now. So I'm feeling pretty good about my pick here, but we'll have to wait and see. And speaking of, 
uh, making those power moves. We're going to be back in just a moment to look at the other games around the, I almost said the NFL, around college football. It's been a long week, hasn't it been, Mitch? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're going to look at some of the other games, get Mitch's pr- perspective on it, and, um, and and talk about some of those other bets that you could be making. If you have not done so already, hit us up in the comment section with your prediction. Uh, make those picks down below. We'll be reading them off by the end of the show. This is Locked On BC, your first listen every day. And if you like our show, please take a listen to Locked On ACC. As as we get closer to college basketball, there's some great hosts on there that are going to talk about the BC Eagles, talk about all the other games that are going on in college basketball. It's hosted by the great Candace Coop. I'm on there on Wednesdays to talk football. You're going to really enjoy that. Uh, you can find that on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. All right, Mitch, let's look at some of these games. And I was got I, I I screwed up talking to you earlier and we three games uh to make picks on but we're just going to kind of go down the top 25 because there's some interesting matchups and the first game that i'm interested in is ohio state and penn state um it's in uh it's in penn it's at uh college park i mean sorry university park at beaver stadium what are you thinking about for this game ohio state is if not the best team in the country they are a top two team in the country Uh, they're favored by essentially two touchdowns in this game. Um, Penn State's offense is anemic at best. And I think Ohio State continues to, you know, just absolutely wipe the floor with their opponents. Um, I think Ohio State covers. I think that the over is 60 and a half. I would say over because I think Ohio State probably puts up near 50 points. And then, you know, Penn State maybe will score some early touchdowns. Ohio State will adjust and maybe Penn State puts in a garbage time touchdown to hit the over. But uh, yeah, Ohio State wins this one comfortable, even comfortably, even though it's on the road at Penn State. Yeah. After watching Penn State get clobbered by Michigan, who is a good team, but not, not in a, and Ohio, I would say Ohio State's better than Michigan. So yeah, yeah. I'm a little, but it's, it, they got home field advantage. I, I still, I, I do, I do not buy into Penn State yet as a no. true like playoff and, contender. I think they're going to lose for all their all warts. Right. Iowa still has a good defense and, and Ohio state covered the over in that game by themselves. So yeah, Ohio yep. state wins this one comfortably. All right. We're going to look at uh, matchups between two top 25 teams, but one that I'm not going to, that it does not have a top 25 team. And I want to bring that up is not top 25 Notre Dame against top 25 Syracuse, two and a half points spread for Syracuse. Will Notre Dame get their first, big win of the season? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think that, you know, now that Syracuse had that tough loss against Clemson on the road, I think that this is, I think this will be kind of a get right spot for them. It's, it's in the dome, uh, whatever it's called now. It's not the carrier dome anymore. Um, Notre Dame has a good defense. They've got players, um, but their offense is, you know, very inconsistent. They have Michael Mayer, but you know, a good tight end can only do so much for you. Um, I think Syracuse was this one close. I, I wouldn't bet the spread here. It's Syracuse minus two and a half. So, you know, that, that field goal, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't bet on this game, but I, I would take Syracuse to win in this one. I, I am too. I saw a, a troubling stat about the, um, the diversity of Notre Dame's offense and their passing attack. And it was like, Michael Myers had like 35 catches and then all the other wide receivers had like 32. And so, Given that, like the fact that they're so heavy on him and that Syracuse has such a good secondary, I think they're going to be able to really confuse Drew Pine in that Notre Dame offense. And I think, I think Syracuse is going to get another big win for them and they're going to continue rolling. 
which is crazy. I, I continue watching them do this, and I'm just so like, I just want to bring up in, in a similar fashion. Um, if we look at BC and Zay Flowers, he has 80 targets. The yep. next four receiver, next, next three receivers, uh, get you to 69 targets. So it's a bit similar. Offense. We're right, right there with them. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, when BC plays Syracuse, they're going to stick Garrett uh, Garrett Williams on Zay and then say good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, continuing down Oklahoma state and Kansas state. I honestly, I don't know much about either of these two teams. Um, I'm not into, I don't, I usually just don't ever watch big 12 football unless it's the red river game. And that's going to be going away soon. Tell me about this game, Mitch. It's a one and a half point spread for Kansas state. Yeah. Big, big 12 football is fun this year. You know, people, I mean, Oklahoma is terrible. So people have kind of gotten off that bandwagon. Texas is inconsistent. Um, you know, Oklahoma state's doing pretty well. TCU still undefeated. Um, you know, this game is at Kansas State. That's probably why they're favored by only one and a half points. Uh, the problem, so they, so some fun quarterback things about Kansas State. So their starting quarterback is Adrian Martinez, who was at Nebraska forever. Now he's at Kansas State, but he is injured, so he might not play. And Kansas State's offensive coordinator is Colin Klein, who was Kansas State's former quarterback and was a Heisman finalist uh, now a while ago. But a yep. uh, fun little thing there. Um Oklahoma state is just really has been really consistent for what seems like ever. Um, you know, they're pretty much always in the mix with Gundy as their head coach. Um, I feel like it's regardless of who Kansas state's quarterback is. I feel like Oklahoma state wins this one. You know, they're, they lost their defense coordinator, but they're still playing, you know, decent defense. Their offense kind of found a nice balance between being a true rare rate and being the run heavy team. They were last year. Um, you know, Spencer Sanders is playing really well. He's been there forever too. Um, so I, I take Oklahoma state here. The over under is 56. Um, that's a tough one. Cause I feel like this game, I feel like both teams could get into the 30. So I'd probably take the over here and also just taking the over in a big 12 game is more fun. All right. We have time for two more picks. So let's go with uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, Kentucky is, a 12 and a half point underdog here against Hendon Hooker in that really good looking Tennessee team. Yeah, this is a fun game and this is a, this is a big rivalry in the sec. So the beer you know, barrel. I heard, <laughs> sorry, you, you see that they had a, they, uh, I, back in the seventies, they had a trophy for this called the beer barrel. Oh, I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, cancel culture run amok. Uh, anyways. Yep. Um, yeah, I feel like Tennessee wins this one. I do like Kentucky, you know, they, they, Got a good program. Uh, will Levis is a good quarterback and you know, kind of an upgraded Phil Dracovic, if you will. Um, but I think Tennessee just has too much talent across the board. You know, even though everyone always talks about their offense, their defense is still quite solid. Um, Kentucky doesn't really have the off the offensive weapons they've had in the past. You know, Chris Rodriguez has been in and out of the lineup a little bit. Uh, Tavian Robinson, Virginia Tech transfer is a good player, but he's not Wandell Robinson. Their offensive line has been a bit in flux. Um, I think Tennessee wins this one. I'll say Kentucky covers though. 12 points is a lot, even though Kentucky's on the road. Um, so I would say t- Tennessee win, but Kentucky cover. All right. We have time for one more and I'll give you a choice. Either do Florida and Georgia or Pitt and UConn. I, not UConn. Yeah. Pitt and C. Let's do Pitt UNC because I mean, we all know how Florida Georgia is going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pitt UNC is fun. You know, I, it was a really fun Last year in the pouring rain, you had uh, Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell duking it out in an absolute monsoon. I think the game went to overtime. Um, not as might not be as fun this year. You know, Pitt's offense is, you know, led by our favorite coordinator Frank Signetti and Pat Narduzzi's happy because his team isn't throwing the ball anymore. Uh, Keen Slovis is their quarterback now, and he's been up and down. Uh, they've got a really good running back in Israel Abanacanda, who's uh, who broke 
Tony Dorsett's uh, single game rushing record a few weeks ago. So he's a really good player. Uh, UNC still doesn't really play defense, but Drake may is a really good young quarterback. Uh, that offense is explosive as ever. Um, I think you, is this a home game for UNC? Yes, it is. Uh, yep. UNC is only favored by three. That's kind of surprising. Um, I think UNC wins this one. Um, I think the home home field advantage will help them. You know, Pitt's offense is just not, even though UNC's defense is awful, just Pitt's offense and the way that they are philosophically structured, just not built to keep pace with UNC in this game. Sounds like old BC teams, but with uh, Signetti at the helm elsewhere, it's not that hard of a, a stretch to understand that. So Mitch, where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, WLFV on Twitter. Uh, tomorrow we'll be having the defensive rewatch of the BC Wake Forest game. And I'll try to give a bit, of, give it a bit of a positive spin because I, I know this sounds weird given that it, Wake scored 43 points. But I thought there were points where BC defense actually played pretty well. And they, they really made Wake, Wake work for their scores. You know, it wasn't just these huge explosive plays that you see happen with Wake all the time. You know, every drive they had to go down the field and, you know, make some really tough plays. So, you know, I was impressed by their performance as much as you could be in a 40 in a game where you give up 43 points, but that'll be coming out in tomorrow. And then, you know, once we, the UConn game happens, we'll recap it as we see fit. And yes, this is AJ black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. We had a, a comment here. It's been a quiet night because BC fans are just not, not into it right now. So Nick says, I stay by my earlier prediction, BC 37-13, Jakovic 300-plus yards as he'll have some kind of time to throw. Um, you can follow me on a- at AJ Black underscore BC. And on our site tomorrow, I've got some really exciting new NIL developments for Boston College football. You're not going to want to miss that. I'll have all the details there. And next week, I will have, hopefully at some point, um, some of these guys that are going to talk about this on our podcast. So keep your ears open. This is exciting news about the future of NIL at Boston College, and we're going to have it exclusively at Eagle Insider. So become head over to Eagle Insider today. And make sure you sign up. This is AJ Black. Thank you all for following. We'll see you again soon. Go Eagles.